This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, what up, what up, what up, America? Welcome to the Friday edition of the Dear America podcast, but you already know that because you clicked on my face and you've probably got the show saved. So they could have thought it was Thursday. I don't even know why I say it anymore because it's, you know what? I also think that I think it's time for a new intro. Really? We've had it for a while. We should get either Tommy Vexed or we should get. Uh, John Cooper. J- John's d- d- skillet's not going to let us use their song. I mean, I think John would. I think it's his legal team that would not allow. So we just it have to, to get friendly so. with the legal team. Maybe I, I, I don't know. I mean, I like I like our current intro, but I'm tired of hearing. I'm, I'm kind of tired of hearing myself talk. So I mean, I've been here now for two years, and we've had at least the same well, music. Well, no, no, no. So we had this first music that was kind of. In retrospect, it was kind of dumb. It's like boom, chicka doom, chicka da doom. Yeah, no, I heard it the other day. It's not as good as this one. Oh, some of you OG listeners will remember that. Then we had the the um, the um, Illyria intro, which is the guitar part, and then we added the overdub over it. So we've had three iterations of an intro. So it's time to change it up. Again. And this is year three, fixing to go into year four. Mm. So I think it's time for. Um, a new intro. So if you've got some music that you like, um, let me know. Um, anyway, I just think that we should change it. Okay, let's go right into the biggest bombshell um, of the day. I- I'm not even going to beat around the bush. I had it in my notes as the last thing we were going to talk about, but I-, I just think it's ridiculous. You guys are listening to this episode because of this reason in the first place, so we might as well just go ahead and knock it out. Um uh, yeah. Uh, you know what? Let's go ahead and go to a sponsor. Cause I don't want this to be interfered with. Let's do that. All right. Right now, every business is trying to nickel and dime you. They squeeze you to offset their increasing cost. It's a mess, but not pure talk. Pure talk draws the line in the sand and says, stop messing with the American public. That's why I switched to them. All you got to do is go to puretalk.com and use the promo code Graham. That's G-R-A-H-A-M. The average family saves over 75 bucks a month. But if you need another reason, how about this? When you choose Pure Talk, you're choosing to support American jobs, not sending them overseas to countries who don't like us. You're also choosing to support a company whose CEO is a United States veteran. And with Pure Talk's no-risk money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter the promo code GRAHAM, that's G-R-A-H-A-M, and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go right now to puretalk.com and enter the promo code GRAHAM today. All right, so back to the reason that all of you are here. Um, (laughs) Mark Zuckerberg 
agrees to go on the Joe Rogan experience. And of course, Joe Rogan uh, pushes him. Somehow they end up getting into conversations about the Hunter Biden laptop and Twitter and all this other stuff. And in an attempt, I'm going to play the whole clip. All right. Now, granted, it's about two and a half minutes. In fact, this is going to be a heavy, con heavy media episode because there's a lot of things you guys need to hear. I'm not going to cut it off. I'm going to let it go as it was on the podcast. It's about two and a half minutes, but you need to listen to what he says in an attempt to kind of act like how they were better than Twitter. Mark Zuckerberg admits that the FBI, put in context before you listen to it, the FBI came to Facebook mere days, mere weeks before what they expected was going to be a Russian disinformation dump on the internet, right? So the FBI goes to Facebook and says, uh, hey, um, there's going to be this Russian disinformation coming out soon. We have reports of, so you guys should be on the lookout for that. Then, miraculously, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story comes out. And then Mark Zuckerberg, Twitter made it where you couldn't share it at all. Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg tries to sound like he's taking the high road. He's like, yeah, you know, we just, um, uh, you know, we just decreased, uh, you know, downgraded it in the algorithm. And then I want you to listen closely. Mark Zuckerberg says we downgraded it a little bit. And then Joe Rogan presses him and says, well, what would you say the percentage of that is? And then he goes, well, uh, it's meaningful. I.e., probably 98, 99%. All right. Just a little bit. Unedited, just straight through. I really want you guys to hear verbatim what was said. Like I said, it's about a two and a half minute clip, but I really think you need to listen to it. Um, here we go. How do you guys handle things when they're a, a big news item that's controversial? Like there was a lot of attention on Twitter during the election because of the Hunter Biden laptop story, the New York Post. Yeah, we Post. have that too. Yeah, so you guys censored that as well? So we took a different path than Twitter. Um, I mean, basically, the background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to us, uh, some some folks on our team, and was like, hey, um, just so you know, like, you should be on high alert. There was the, we, we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of, of – um, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. So our protocol is different from Twitter's. What Twitter did is they said, you can't share this at all. Um, we didn't do that. What, what we do is we have, um, if something is reported to us as potentially um, misinformation, important misinformation, we, we also have this third-party fact-checking program because we don't want to be deciding what's true and false. And for the, I think it was five or seven days when it was basically being... Um, being determined whether it was false, um, the distribution on Facebook was decreased, but people were still allowed to share it. So you could still share it, you could still consume it. So when um, you say the distribution is decreased, in, it, it got shared. It, how does that work? It basically the ranking in newsfeed was a little bit less, so fewer people saw it than would have otherwise. So it definitely by what percentage? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's 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 meaningful. But I mean, but basically. <laughs> It's meaningful. So it went from it went from a little bit less to when Joe Rogan says, "Well, what what percentage of that?" And he goes, "Well, it's meaningful." That's not a little that's bit less. That's not a little bit. If it's meaningful, if it's, it's meaningful, a lot. that's ninety eight percent is what that is. So 
I just have to ask this question. At this point, can we say beyond a shadow of a doubt that the election was interfered with in some way, shape, form, or fashion? Or are we still conspiracy theorists at this point? Mark Zuckerberg admits that the FBI came to them days, weeks, right before the Hunter Biden laptop story uh, landed, which makes me believe that the FBI knew exactly what was going to come out, and they didn't want it to get there, so they coerced Facebook really bent their arm, to suppress this information. And now we know for a fact that Facebook diminished the reach, diminished the, the distribution of this information that we know for a fact that if voters have already polled this, voters, if they knew about the uh, Hunter Biden laptop story, they were probably less likely to vote for Joe Biden in the election. Ergo, it interfered with the election. Can we say that now? Or are we still conspiracy theorists? I think we can say it now. Because, because we were we were demonized. Uh, we had our monetizations cut off. We were kicked off the internet for even remotely insinuating that such a thing had happened. And, and so to bring this full circle for the purpose of this show, whether you're left, right, uh, Christian, not Christian, this should greatly concern you. Um, the FBI, and at this point, I, I can't think of a single win the FBI has had in the past six or seven years. I mean, it's just been garbage after garbage after shadiness after shadiness after shadiness. Some people would argue that's the FBI's job is to be shady. I don't disagree. But the fact that an arm of the federal government can go in to the greatest distributor of uh, distributor, the, the largest distributor of information in the world and say, hey, we got this tip <clears throat> that some uh, misinformation is going to be coming out in the next couple of days. Wink, wink. Um, we're going to need you to make sure that that don't go anywhere. It failed. It still went everywhere. But the problem was, even though it still went everywhere, we were all deemed as crazy people spreading false information, which now we know multiple things. A, the laptop was true. A, everything on that laptop is highly incriminating. Hunter Biden is fixing to be indicted by a grand jury. And I still don't believe that Joe Biden's going to walk unscathed from this. I think he's just so old, he's not going to go to jail. Yeah. Um, we know all of these things to be true. Multiple polls have been done that shows that the majority, not the majority, but a large, a large percentage of voters that voted for Joe Biden had they known about the Hunter Biden laptop. This came out in October, right? Yeah. Literally a month before the election. Had they known about it, they probably less likely would have voted for Joe Biden due to uh, compromising ties to other countries, et cetera. Now we know that the FBI coerced Facebook to suppress it. Facebook did suppress it. Less people knew about it, et cetera. How is this not election interference? And I would say it is. I mean, that's, I mean, that's just my question. I open it up for the courts of public opinion. Um, I just don't understand. I don't understand how this is not the biggest story in the world right now. Like, I just, I just don't. I, I don't, I don't get it. And, and as free thinking individuals, I don't understand how you can hear something like that and it doesn't chill you to the bone to hear those things. Um, because we have the 
owner, the creator of the largest distributor of information and technology connecting us together in the world right now. TikTok's making a push. But either way, right now, admitting that they can be coerced by the federal government to do certain things that the government wants them to do. Not sketchy at all. That's terrifying. I mean, I, I mean, it's got, it, it has to be terrifying. Uh, how does this relate to Christians? Okay, uh, put it like this. If, they, if they're willing to do this for this, then we already see this rise of the rosary is this uh, the, basically the same as the AR-15 nonsense. We've already seen the rise of the attack of Christians uh, on Christian nationalism, et cetera. How long before the federal government goes to Facebook, Instagram, i.e., uh, any other social media platform and says, uh, you know what, That's that, that's those are statements that are threats to our democracy. We're really going to need you to, like, not let those go. Yeah. Okay, case in point. Case in point right now, okay? Case in point. Uh, Facebook today, I do a live feed about it where I show the video and things like this. Case in point how Facebook is even suppressing this. All right, that video already has 3,000 shares, 22,000 views. The video before it had 1.9 thousand shares, 201,000 views. How does that mathematically make any kind of sense at all? Does it? It doesn't. It's because they don't want that. I'm just asking a question. How long? How long until these things start to affect um, everything else? As an American, whether you're a Christian or not, as an American, this should absolutely infuriate you beyond all means of the imagination. At this point... At this point, I don't see anything good the FBI is doing for Americans on American soil right this second. Every single scandal, the FBI seems to be right there in the middle of everything. I just, I just don't see it, man. And uh, this, is, this is the biggest story that's come out in a long, long time. Um, anyway, but we got to move on. You know what's never good? When your nation's supposed authority on economic policy completely misses the flashing red lights of impending inflation. Now, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has finally admitted there have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted energy and food prices and supply bottlenecks that affected our economy badly that I didn't at the time fully understand. Well, you know, Janet, who did understand, that would be real Americans and the people who invested in gold and silver with Birch Gold Group. They're protecting your savings from a highly turbulent economy by diversifying their 401k or IRA into gold, physical gold. And it's not too late for you to take action now. Text the word Graham, that's G-R-A-H-A-M, to 989898 and get a free info kit on diversifying and protecting your savings with precious metals. With an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers. Text the word Graham, that's G-R-A-H-A-M, to 989898 for a free, no-obligation info kit now. So, okay, let's talk about um, some just some cultural things. So, so there's a lot of things in our culture today that is really trying to pick apart the nuclear family. We've talked about this a lot. I, I truly believe that one of the reasons that you see just the decay of our society today is the attack against the nuclear family. Husband, wife, 
married, kids, working their crap out, staying together, showing their children that love is more than just a feeling and it's a commitment, et cetera, et cetera. So these are two New York Post articles published within a six-hour period of each other. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. The title of this, as we've talked about, I actually read this one. Uh, normally, I just open it up. and yeah, we just, Usually, it's always a reaction. We just do a reaction, but I read this one. So, Good for you. <clears throat> this is the New York Post by a lady named Jana Hawking on why traditional relationships are dead. Uh, let's see. And basically, it goes on to say that the traditional uh, relationship path, it's talking about the paths of traditional relationship, is meet spark, date, relationship, move in, marriage, and children. This is not a biblical timeline, by the way, because uh, it really needs to be meet, spark, date, relationship, marriage, move in, children. But, you know, you're never going to get that out of the post. But either way, uh, they got nine, nine, you know, they got 90% out of this. Uh, and they're basically, we'll they're basically saying that this is complete and utter lunacy in today's society and they give an example here um in fact two of my friends got together it, oh here we go all right so her her story to justify this is based around uh giving into the flesh giving into sin giving into selfish natures all right this is her story to justify her belief that the traditional way of finding a partner uh getting married having children a family is dead dead doesn't matter in fact, two of my friends got together in the midst of an affair and, scandal aside, praise be that they did because they truly are soulmates. Sure, you mentioned the word affair and it sends a shiver up the spine of any mere mortal, but sometimes life, fate, whatever you want to call it, works in mysterious ways. Both were in loveless marriages and trust me when I say there is far more to the story. You see, this is the problem that we have in today's society. This is nothing more than simple, selfish justification for our own means to our own end. We've talked about this before. You can have the grass is always greener on the other side mentality all you want, but the reality of the situation is the grass is greener on the other side of the fence because they pay more attention to their grass. They water their grass. They trim their hedges. They literally spread poop across the grass because that's what makes grass greener and grow better. They and all work this on their stuff. grass. They work on their grass. Your grass sucks because you're looking at everybody else's grass. And another thing, and this is a pure biblical perspective, let me tell you something. There ain't nothing that God's going to bless when it's formulated in sin in the first place. Mm. All Christians out there that are just like, oh, well, you know, yeah, technically we met each other when we were married to somebody else, but... Man, this is the one. We're doing it right. No, 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 no. Stop, homeboy. That ain't how it works. That's not doing it right. That's not, that's not how it works, okay? God can bless a lot of things. He ain't suddenly going to give you— He's not blessing adultery. The, 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 no. <laughs> no, it's wrong. And then, without missing a beat, to prove my point, this is the very next article. All right, so we just read about this chick talking about how traditional relationships are dead, et cetera, et cetera, and how uh, these people met in the midst of an affair, and now they're soulmates. And in the very next article in the New York Post is a Dear Abby, I got engaged to a man who left his partner for me. Now he's become abusive in our relationship. 
Well, I think that's a pretty logical thing because most people that would, uh, you know, do these things, there's obviously something going on. Now, they're not all abusers. Let me. But they're not trustworthy. Preface this. Yes, but there's something going on there. Okay. Now, am I a divorce shamer? No. We've talked about this a lot on the show. There are a lot of things that can lead to divorce uh, on both sides of the aisle. Um, that, you know, there's physical, mental abuse on both sides. Uh, there, there's, there's adultery on both sides. Um, there are so many things, uh, you know, criminal behavior. I mean, all, all of these things, this though, is what I mostly have the problem with. I would venture to say that a large majority of divorce, a large majority of, uh, <clears throat> these relationships where, uh, they called it something where it's a uh, intentional non-monogamous relationship. So this is a new term that they've created where you're intentionally dating somebody, but you are in a non-monogamous relationship. So even though I'm intentional with you and you're intentional with me and we're dating, we're in a non-monogamous relationship to where we can have sex with whoever we want. But you're my person, though. You're my person, though. But... I'm going to go do my thing on guys night and you're going to go do your thing on ladies night. And then, you know, I'll see you when you get home kind of thing. I mean, I was crazy, man. No. And it, what? No, what, no, I'm, I'm just, Oh, you yeah. sounded like you were contemplating it there for no, a minute. Zach, I, no, that Zach was, like, was a, like, that was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing no, this. I've been doing like this a, all wrong. <laughs> no, that was like a, Oh, no, like that's not. That is not how it sounded. It sounded like a oh. <laughs> that's what it sounded like. Definitely not my style. Dad, gummit, why have I been doing that this whole time? Oh, Graham, I might have to make <laughs> might have a confession time right quick. Anyway, again, it is it is another attack on the 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 soul and the heart within our country. And uh, again, I've said this multiple times in both my books. I talk about it every day. I truly believe that we need look no further as Americans, as Christians, whatever you want to call it, than the nuclear family, how we're dating intentionally. We've had amazing young women on the show, Morgan Zeggers, Isabel Brown. We've had all these people talk about the struggles that they face in dating today because of society and how society has been put upon us. We went from when I was dating, okay, a first date proof that you had a good first date was you got like a peck on the cheek at the end of the night. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And an agreement to date too. Like that was, you know, Hey, Home run. you know, can't, can, you know, uh, I would love to be able to see you again. Would you like that? And they say, yes, a peck on the cheek. And then they go inside. That was like a grand slam first date, right? Now it's, if you don't get them in the bed in the first date, not only did you fail, uh, the woman ain't worth it because she's stuck up and entitled and all this other kind of stuff. How far we have fallen from where uh, it was when I was dating. Um, what do you think, Zach? About like getting a girl in the bed on the first date? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, mean, I disagree with it wholeheartedly. Yeah, I I'm a sex after marriage guy. Okay, all right. Well, you know, that's why you're here. Anyway... Uh, <laughs> that echo chamber everybody says i live in oh graham you live in such an echo chamber everybody that believes what you believe yeah that's kind of the whole point of trying to trying to emulate christ and trying to trying to be the best that i can i realize i'm a blunt guy uh brash individual um but 
you're supposed to surround yourself by people that you know, believe the same thing. Oh, as yeah. you do. I don't believe echo chamber is a bad thing. Like other people, uh, believe. Okay. <clears throat> uh, at the end of this, I really want to get into, I made a response to this guy, um, about, um, the student loan repayment. And he really brought like the Christian thing out. Uh, before I do that, I want to talk about this. And I guess this falls in moral, um, empathy, uh, Christian values, perhaps how you want to spin it. Again, this is going to be a long news article. This is our, our, uh, news clip, but this is CNN. Okay. And this is about a proposal that's going to be in 2024, I believe in California, where they're going to propose a bill to be voted on that if a hotel has vacancies, they will be mandated to give those hotel rooms to homeless people. Really? Yes. And so we're going to listen to it and you'll hear here people that are for it. And then you'll hear actual like um, hotel owners that are like really against it. And then you'll hear even another homeless guy. It's just like, I don't think that's a good idea at all. <laughs> These people are nuts out here. Have you seen this? All right. And then we'll discuss it. Okay. So again, <clears throat> a little bit longer. But I really think you need to listen to it because this is the real stuff that's going on in our world. This is what people are really talking about on a day-to-day -day basis. So here we go. In Los Angeles County, more than 60,000 people are homeless on the average night. And more than 20,000 hotel rooms lie empty on the average night. See where this might be going? It's, it's just, it's insane. Um, it, it isn't going to solve the problem. We think this is one part of the solution. By no means do we think this solves the homelessness crisis. But do hotels have a role to play? Of course they do. So the union he leads, which reps hotel workers, gathered enough signatures and Angelinos will vote on a bill that would force every hotel in town to report vacancies at 2 p.m. every day, then welcome homeless people into those vacant rooms. Honestly, would you check into a hotel knowing that the chance of your neighbor to the left or right is a homeless individual? Manoj Patel voluntarily rents some rooms to homeless people who are vetted and paid for by a local church, but he's against this bill that would make that mandatory. We barely are surviving, number one. Number two, we have to think of the safety of our staff. And number three, we're not professionally or any otherwise equipped with any of the supporting mechanism that the homeless guest would require. What services would be provided remains unclear, also unclear the funding, and hotels would be paid fair market rate. It's up to the city. I mean, they did it during Project Room Key. The pandemic era program now winding down that inspired this bill by placing more than 10,000 people in hotels that volunteered. This is the from Big guy. Delhi, among them. Well, first of all, it's a blessing. It's a it's a great room. The technology is not up to par, but you know what technology do you have in a tent? This bill would also force developers Ooh. to replace housing there demolished to make way for new hotels, and hotel permits would be introduced, as well as making every hotel from a Super 8 to the Biltmore accept homeless people as guests. I don't think that's a good idea. Why not? Maybe for some, but, you know, there's a lot of people with untreated mental health and some people do some damage to these poor buildings, man. This happened in Manoj Patel's motel. And she marked all walls 
uh, curtain she burnt. Thank God there was no fire. Uh, even marked the ceiling. Opponents of housing the homeless in hotels fear this and fear tourists could be put off from even coming to L.A. I wouldn't want my kids around people that I'm not sure about. I wouldn't want to be in an elevator with somebody who's clearly having a mental break. The idea that you can intermingle homeless folks with paying normal gas just doesn't work out. We don't want to head backwards into the segregated South, but that's kind of the language that they're talking about. There's a certain class of people, less than humans, animals they almost describe them as, to be honest with you. They don't seem to understand who the unhoused are. We're talking again about seniors, students, working people. That's who the voucher program would All benefit right. the most. <clears throat> Initial thoughts, Zach, before I break it down how I see it? I mean, I think it's stupid. I mean, I like what the homeless guy said. You, like these, you racist bigot. You think I, that I'm, you think that I, we I'm should fair. not put all I the homeless I people? I guess it's <gasps> for segregation. Wow. I absolutely think it's insane. <laughs> um, uh, but but let me let, let me address it from a level of um, uh, we have a charity called the Asher House, and and, and we deal with this every single day. Well, I say we. Alyssa deals with this. Bless her heart. She's the, she, this Azure house is her thing. It's her heart. But, but, but we deal with this all the time. Mm -hmm. It's a real thing. There's people every single day. Uh, we'll be getting ready to have dinner and Alyssa will get a phone call and she's got to leave and she's got to go pick up these, you know, kids. And by kids, I mean, 18 to 24 year old individuals that don't have a home. They've got nowhere to go. Like literally the other day, there was two people living in a tent out in the, just woods mm. like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and trying to, anyway, the, the, the point is the Azure house vets these people checks for warrants, uh, checks, uh, does an intake of mental health, um, you know, uh, mental acuity and all this other kind of stuff before a voucher is then paid for. And then the Azure house, we actually pay for the rooms for these people to have places to stay until they figure out and get on their feet and, and, and all this other stuff. These programs <clears throat> already exist, okay? To have a free-for-all to where it is mandated that by 2 o'clock, God forbid you're traveling and need to make a hotel room reservation last minute, um, but by 2 o'clock, hotel rooms have to... <sighs> Report to who, I guess, all their vacancies. Would this eventually go to Airbnb and like Verbo as well? Probably. Yeah. Oh, that's another good point. Well, what what was shocking to me is they said that homes that were vacant or whatnot or homes that were abandoned would be demolished to pave room for more hotels where you'd have to get a hotel permit. And therefore, those hotels would probably end up then being run by the, uh, the state government, et cetera. This is... All terrifying language. All of it. It's all terrifying language. What happened to um, it's private business? Private business can do whatever they want to do. They're a private business. This don't sound very much like a private business can do whatever they want to do, does it? These hotel rooms, if by 2 o'clock they've got vacancies, they have to report their vacancies to the state, and then I guess the state will just send whoever it and is. What, what's the state going to do if they don't report? Close them down? I, I don't know, but who's going to pay, like they said, rightfully so, a large, large majority of the homeless population are suffering from mental health issues. You can't put these people 
into the same situations in close quarters and proximities to normal everyday families, especially children, all of the above. This, this, this has not only is it not fair, not only is it uh, freedom in any kind of way to force people to do these things, it also is not safe. I, I don't see how you can how you can guarantee safety for everyone else while doing well, this. And, this and, is crazy. And here's the thing: homeless people have a lot of opportunities to get out of homelessness. Yes, like I've got a friend that used to work with a organization that helped homeless people get off the street, and he would say that like the majority of the homeless people out there, like they would have people go out and talk <sighs> to them and try and get them to come, do, go to the organization, so that way they could get a job, reenter society. And most of the homeless people are like, no, we're good. Yeah. But like they choose so, to so, be there. Well, yes. And and so the idea that the vast majority now, are there always some, of course, that yes, actually yes. needs help? The idea from people who don't actually deal with this is, oh, all these homeless people are helpless and they need help. No, they ain't. They don't want your help. <laughs> I have literally been to tent cities underneath bridges handing out sweaters and sweatshirts and hoodies and stuff for people in the winter. And I will literally watch and listen to their alarm clocks going off in their tents. They'll unzip their tents. They'll put their freaking uh, uniform on and they'll walk to work. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and then I can't tell you how many people, and I can't give names or anything, but I can't tell you how many people Alyssa works with every day. She gets them set up. Get them in hotels. Get them set up with the appointments they got to make to get a birth certificate, a drive, a, a not a driver's license, a state ID, uh, meetings with people to help them find work and a job. If they're if they've got drug addictions, into programs, they last maybe a week, maybe, and then they go right back into it. There are so many programs out there that people just don't realize, and I just think this is lunacy. It's yet another thing. In um, in California, <laughs> it's just a just another another thing. So, all right. Last but not least, uh, we're going to talk about the student loan thing one more time, one more Let's time, um, because there was this tweet that went out, went viral, and uh, it's this it's this guy named uh, John Poflovitz, <clears throat> and he tweets out this. He says, "Conservative Christians are fully enraged." At hashtag student loan forgiveness, missing the irony that their entire professed religion is based on the idea of a canceled debt. Way to lose the plot, kids. Now, this tweet goes everywhere. It goes mega viral, da 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 da. Um, and um, it, it, it's, it sounds good in principle. Because it is true. Christianity is based around a debt that we cannot pay um, that was wiped out, right? Mm -hmm. But there's some fundamental differences. One, <clears throat> we're born into this debt that we cannot pay. Yeah. As Christians, you know, we, we understand that we are born into sin. We, we are born selfish, past the, past the age of understanding, obviously, but we understand that that there is a debt that we can't pay, but we're born into it, first of all. Born into it, first of all. That, that, that is a key factor there. Born into it, first of all. And then also the key factor that, that, that was missed, <clears throat> the debt was forgiven, but it was forgiven through payment of Jesus being born, living as a man, living a sinless life, 
being crucified for it, bleeding, dying, born again, literally paid the most excruciating death possible of a payment. Someone paid the debt, and that is the difference. Being a blessing and forgiving a debt is not literally passing it on to other people. That's not what that means. So this guy almost had a good point. He was almost witty, and he almost had a good point. Now, also in retrospect, a lot of people are coming after um, conservative Christians, uh, myself included, and a lot of people are trying to equate this to the PPP loan, right? Um, And the PPP loans being forgiven. They've called out Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, uh, Tom Brady, Joel Osteen, me, uh, because Graham Allen Media did get a PPP loan uh, for the purpose of employees during the COVID-19 pandemic. So uh, I got a tweet from Ben Shapiro, and I think he does a very good job, as Ben Shapiro normally does, but then I'm going to address it my own way. All right, this is what he says. Government, shut down your business. Businesses. But what about our employees? Government. Here are grants to keep them employed. Two years later, government. Ha, 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 you rubes. You took grant money like greedy pigs, so now you can't oppose us wasting $500 billion on student loan bailouts. And then he says, the the White House current naming and shaming campaign against businesses that kept people employed with PPP money is just the latest reminder that there are always strings attached and that the government has plenary power to ruin you both financially and reputationally. So there's a lot of important factors here. Yes, Graham Allen Media took a PPP loan at the height of the pandemic, um, for the purpose of making sure that employees still had a job and got paid. Uh, That is true, along with a lot of other people. Um, Again, this falls more into the category of this was something that people didn't choose to happen. And the government forced us to go into lockdown. Everyone seems to forget that's making this generalization, trying to make it seem to be the same thing. The government shut the entire country down. Again, and I know we're almost three years removed from this now. The government shut the entire country down. You couldn't go to work. You couldn't open your doors. You couldn't leave your house. You could only go to the doctor or the grocery store. Uh, The government put business put businesses in a situation to where how are you supposed to have families because the things that didn't stop were bills mm-hmm. <laughs> during that time frame so the government forced businesses to take massive losses forced businesses to shut down and forced business owners to have to figure out How are my employees going to be able to feed their family? So then the government comes out and they say, remember, this was during the time the PPP loans happened when literally everybody thought that COVID was going to, it'd be like the zombie apocalypse, right? There was going to be body bags on the street and all this other kind of stuff. 
So the extreme measures of shutting the entire country down and the extreme idea of doing a PPP loan, and honestly, the thing that most people don't realize, and this is another ignorance of most people, is the PPP loan only covered two and a half months of wages for employees. That's it, two and a half months. So the PPP loans that were so great, it only... (laughs) It only was going to be able to pay your employees their minimum pay for two and a half months. That's what the PPP loan was. That's not the same thing. And and, and some people are going to argue and say it is. I don't see it as the same thing. I I see it as something that was forced upon us. Well, the government put you in a situation where you had to take it. You're not forced to go to college. You're not forced to get a general studies degree. You're not forced to go get a doctorate in liberal arts and general communications. You're not forced to do these things. Those are decisions. We were forced to shut down. And even those of us like us who refused to shut down, our vendors, our suppliers, we couldn't get T-shirts for our uh, apparel company because there were no shirts. Uh, Nobody was buying advertising spots because nobody could go to work. Nobody could fulfill anything. That was something that was forced upon people. And then the government comes back and says, ha, 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 see, we got you because you did this. Well, also, we were fully prepared to have to pay that loan back because I didn't think it was going to be forgiven. And then you've got uh, people like Barstool throwing it in the face of certain people because Barstool didn't take a PPP loan. Uh, Well, Barstool is also like a nine-figure company. At the same time. And I will also say that we donated, I want to say it was like $35,000 to the Barstool Fund. So full transparency, Grand Island Media took an $84,000 PPP loan. That's for two and a half months of employee wages. That's how much it cost to run this thing that most of you think is free. (laughs) Wait, it's not free? No, it's not. Okay. $35,000 we donate to uh, the Barstool Fund for other struggling businesses because the PPP loan was taking too much time. Um, We have spent well over probably half a million dollars um, paying for people's mortgages, paying their rents, et cetera, trying to help people as best we can. So I would say that we more than paid that loan back. But again, people will argue and say that we didn't. But Again, I don't find it to be the same thing. And even if you do find it to be the same thing, I think that Ben Shapiro says it perfectly. No matter what you say, whether you think PPP loan forgiveness is the same as student loan forgiveness or you don't, the biggest point of the matter is there is always strings attached. And I will say that Again, the string attached for the PPP loan is it's not forgiven. Um, I got a $350,000 tax bill. That's a lot of money. I mean, and, and and I'm normally not this transparent about money, but when people come at me over a $84,000 PPP loan that goes to the employees and then we give half a million dollars back and then I still get hit with a $350,000 tax bill, I say shut up <laughs> because you <laughs> because it's not the same. I you know when it comes to these regards, these are people trying to make 
a point trying to get a ha ha moment that don't truly understand. And, and we're a very small business. The bigger businesses, it's even on a grander scale mm-hmm. of things. The biggest point to take away, whether you agree with me or you don't, and please let me know, email me, Graham at DearAmericaMedia.com. I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts, but the biggest part of this, whether you agree with what I said or you disagree, is there is always strings attached when the government says they're going to help you. There's an old old man tale that basically says the scariest thing in the world is when the government says, uh, hi, we're from the government, we're here to help. There's always strings attached. And so, you know, hindsight is 2020. Uh, I probably wouldn't have taken the PPP loan if I'd have known how it was all going to turn out. Mm-hmm. But again, this was at the very height of it. President Trump is on the TV with Walgreens and Walmart and all these people saying the whole world's ending, et cetera. Nobody really knew. And I'll also say that it was, you know, that's more of a corporate thing than it is a me thing. Uh, But either way, I mean, it's my company, so it falls on me. But that's why we did it. I truly believe that through charity and donations, we've more than paid that money back. Um, And I know for sure I've paid it back in and paying it back in taxes which again proves the point. There's always a string attached. So it goes to the factor of we're adding what they now calculate as a $500 billion additional taxes over this. And those are my thoughts on it. So, you know, again, please let me know. Let me know what you think. You agree with me? You don't? Uh, you think I'm wrong? You think I'm right? Uh, Let me know what you think. That's all we have for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you do me a favor. If you enjoyed this episode, send it to five of your friends. Make them subscribe. Leave us a comment. Leave us five stars. It helps us in the charts. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Have a good weekend, and we'll see you all again next time.